Welcome to this podcast episode from New South Wales Family Day Care Association's PD in Your Pocket program. The topic for this month is Orientation and Enrollment in Family Day Care. This is a recording of the webinar presentation on the 25th of October, 2022, and was presented by Chris Hall. The webinar also includes an interview with Kim Hartman, the service manager at Lake Macquarie Family Day Care, and she is interviewed for this podcast by early childhood education consultant, Lisa Bryant. Okay, everybody, I think we will get started. So I would like to welcome everybody to the New South Wales Family Day Care Association webinar. This session is on enrolment and orientation in family day care, and this is part of the PD in Your Pocket series. So we would like to thank um, New South Wales Family Day Care Association and the New South Wales Government for putting this evening on. So thank you so much for joining us. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Chris Hall, and I'm going to be your facilitator for this evening. If you have any questions, if you'd like to pop them in the chat box as we go along, um, Ethan will be able to pass those on to me and hopefully we will get to as many questions as we possibly can at the end of the session. So let's get started. So before we begin, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land that we meet upon. For me personally, tonight I am coming to you from Dharawal country and I would like to make pay my respects to the Aboriginal elders past, present and future and to all Aboriginal people tonight, I would like to say welcome. So thank you for joining. Okay, so first, before we get started, I just wanted to double check about the enrolment and orientation booklet that you would have received earlier or prior to this session. We have sent you a link specifically to prepare for this week, and hopefully you've had a chance to have a look at the book. But if you haven't received it, you can actually find a link on the screen. And if you are watching this presentation um, and you haven't received it, please click on the link and you'll be able to receive the information that we're talking about. If you are listening to it as a podcast, the link is www.nswfdc.org.au forward slash PD in your pocket. The New South Wales Regulatory Authority is funding tonight's session, so um, we would just like to thank them for that. This is the final one that is going to be funded for the year. However, um, I do believe that there is one more in November um, from New South Wales Family Daycare, so hopefully you can join us for that. Okay, so having a look at some of the information that we have gathered from you, what did we learn from you? So what we have asked, oops, sorry, what we have asked is how important do you see the enrolment and orientation process in family daycare? So none of you said that it wasn't important, so that's good, um, but that probably equates to about three out of 800 people that have been surveyed. 7% said it's kind of important and 93% said very important. So that's really refreshing to hear because Enrolment and orientation really is important and it is the cornerstone of starting a relationship with a new family in your service. So let's have a look at some more statistics. So we asked the question, how many play visits or orientation visits have you conducted prior to children starting in care with you? And the, stati st sorry, the statistics are 2% of us don't do them at all. And that's where the light blue slice is in the middle. 33% of you actually said that you have approximately one visit. 
39% have approximately two visits with the family prior to starting, 14% have three visits, and 12% of you actually have four or more play visits or orientation sessions. So the majority of you would have two to three play visits each session before the child starts in care. So this is fantastic. Then we actually asked, do the do you have an educator's handbook? And is this something that you give out to families prior to them enrolling? Thankfully, 64% of you said yes, and 36% of you said no. We will be talking about this as we go further through this session tonight. And hopefully we can change um, the minds of the 36% that don't. And hopefully we can actually showcase that it really is important to put your best foot forward when you're trying to sell your service to a brand new family and establish a great relationship with them um, prior to starting and giving them all of the information that they will need for their child to start in care. Okay, then we asked, who does the bulk of the formal enrolment process? Um, who does that? And 27% of you said that the service takes care of this. And interestingly enough, 73% um, of the educators actually do this themselves. So this is not something that we did expect in terms of numbers. We actually thought that the service or the coordination unit would be doing more for you. So we might unpack this as we go along and um, hopefully we'll get some of those answers as to why. Okay, then we asked, do you use an enrolment checklist? So when the families come in, have you got a checklist handy that you can actually prompt yourself, um, you know, with some topics to actually talk about? And thankfully, 75% of you said yes, 25% no. Um, so hopefully, again, we can change some of those statistics by the end of this, and we can showcase how important it is to be really organised and um, ready to go for an enrolment when a new family comes into care. So what we're going to do is have a look at what we are covering tonight. So firstly, we're going to have a look at what is enrolment and what is orientation. And hopefully we can decipher between the two. We're going to look at why enrolment and orientation are so important. And, you know, what do you think about this? And hopefully we'll get to some questions um, or some comments that you have at the end about what is effective for you as an educator. We're going to have a look at why enrolment and orientation um, sessions are important for families and what do the families get out of it, and equally why enrolment and orientation are important for children as well. We are going to look at why enrolment and orientation are so important for us as educators. We're going to unpack a little bit about the regs and the national quality standards and what do they require from us as an educator. We're going to have a look at some ways that we can do the enrolment well. And hopefully from tonight's session, if you haven't already got some of these things implemented, then this might give you, um, you know, just some tips on how to actually improve your service. And we can record this as a bit of critical reflection. And we will take some moments throughout this session to critically reflect along the way. So ways that we can do orientation well as well and enrolment. We're going to look at evaluating our processes. We're going to watch a video um, that hopefully will give you some other ideas and it's going to be talking with one of our uh, family daycare services and hopefully um, get some more insight into this process and then hopefully we'll get time for questions. So let's have a look at what is enrolment and what is orientation. What is enrolment? An enrolment occurs when the provider has an arrangement with an individual 
or organisation to provide education and care to a child. And this has come straight from a CEQA. So really important. But then what is orientation? So orientation is the process to support the child's transition to the service, whereby families spend time at the service with the child, maybe a few times before leaving the child on their own. And the time required for orientation and settling in will vary for each child and each family. And I would also jump in and say each service, each educator um, is going to provide a different service for orientation. But I think we can establish that it is super important for children and families to get to know you, to build up that level of trust and to start building a relationship with the family. So then we're going to move on to why is enrolment and orientation so important? For one key reason, I'm sure you would all agree that it really is the beginning of the new relationship that you're about to start with a child and with that child's family and that the child and the family are going to start with you. So there's lots of things that happen within that process. It also sets the stage for the relationship that you will build. And hopefully, if you do it well and you get the relationship off to a good start, then it's going to be long lasting. And that's what we're aiming for. So enrolment and orientation really are the cornerstone for the beginning of the relationship that you're going to build with the family. And I think we can see from this photo how important it is when we bring it back to what's best for the child, what's best for the family and what's best for the dynamics of your group. Hopefully it's a perfect match. So why is enrolment and orientation so important for families? When you consider orientation really is the first step that a parent or family will actually take to get to know you and get to know your service. And so it's really important because there really are three parties involved in this process. We have the child, we have the family, and we also have the educator and your own family. So as a family daycare educator, we need to make sure that it is a goodness of fit for everybody. So I love this picture. It's a great way to actually set the tone for when a family steps into your door. Hopefully, if you don't have something that, um, you know, welcomes families in, but really have a think about tonight about what the family will see when they first enter your home for the first time and your service and really have a look at the aesthetics of that and just ensure that you are providing a welcoming space. So it really is the first welcome that parents will see. But prior to this, it may even start with the phone call. So answering the phone in a professional manner, um, you know, being really considerate, being really flexible and making sure that if you miss the call, that you do actually contact the family back as soon as possible. So what is a welcome? The dictionary tells us that a welcome is to greet hospitably and with courtesy and to make sure that everybody feels safe and secure. It is the time when you make the other person, and in this case, other people or children and family, we want to make them feel at ease and feel comfortable with you as the educator for their child. This may be the very first time that they've ever met an educator, particularly in family daycare. So we really want to put our best foot forward. The least that we can do is be welcoming and have a beautiful, clean space um, ready for the, um, the family to come into. Okay, so looking at this beautiful picture here, um, I want you to just take a moment just to think about if you were the family or if you were the educator, having a look at the child 
um, because they are actually the centre of why we're meeting and have enrolments and orientation. So we really want to have a look at this picture and just have a think about what it would feel like to be a parent, leaving your child for the very first time. Maybe you have done this already or maybe you haven't, but I really want you to put yourself into the shoes of the family coming into your home or to your space for the very first time. What are they thinking? What are they feeling? What are they smelling? What are they viewing? There's lots of different ways um, that we can actually welcome families into our home. So this is where the feelings of security come from and children to most parents are their most treasured possession. So therefore they need to feel secure and care for their child. So your first impression of your personality, of you as an educator, your philosophy and what you value is really important when you first meet the family for the very first time. Okay, so let's have a look at this picture as well. Another fantastic picture about the educator, the parent and the child. Um, obviously, families, you know, come in many different shapes and sizes, but we really want to have a look and we want to invite as many uh, family members into your service as possible without being disruptive to um, obviously the rest of your routine, but ensuring that all family members are part of the decision-making process. And this is where the trust is first built. So families need to be able to trust you as their child's educator. So everything that you say and do in your enrolment interview is going to play into the hands of how comfortable and safe and secure that the family feel with you being their child's educator. It's also where families first realise that we value their role as parents as, and as the child's first educator. And I think it's really important that when you do have a service handbooklet, that you actually put those words in there, that we do value the parent's opinion or the family's opinion, and we do um, really value that you are your child's first educator. It is also where we realise that parenting won't be judged and also when the parents realise that you won't ignore their knowledge of their child, but you will learn from it and use it to actually, um, you know, in enhance their child's learning. Another beautiful picture. So enrolment and orientation is also important to families because it's where we give them the information and also those feelings of security that will allow them to reassure that their child is going to be with a great educator and that they are going to have fun in your family daycare service. So again, you know, really think about your interactions. Um, are you busy? Are you organised? Are you rushing around? And does the family feel like, you know, maybe you're too busy to, um, to sit down and invest that time with them? So really think about um, what your service looks like, how prepared you are when the family arrives, um, and also consider the, the timing as well. So many families want to come and see how you interact with other children, and, and that's okay, but it might be a series of um, you know, meetings. So it might be a very quick meeting while you've got other children in care because um, you know, the other children are first and foremost um, your priority. Um, but they might be wanting to look at your interactions or then you might set up another meeting where it's just the family and their child. But at the heart of it, it would be great for the child to be present at pretty much most of those meetings so that you can see how the child interacts with you. You can have a look at their development and just ensure that um, the whole family is a goodness of fit to the dynamics of your service. Okay, why is enrolment and orientation so important for children, which is the reason that we're all here tonight. 
Orientation is important for children because it is often the first time that they come to your home and it's the first time that they're going to meet you. And hopefully from this meeting, then you will establish a relationship with them. So, um, you know, thinking to your own um, family, if you've ever enrolled them into any formal childcare before, how are you made to feel? Or if you don't have children, how, how would you want to be treated? And how would you want your child to be treated? So I would really suggest getting down on the child's level, engaging with them, um, you know, obviously respecting their sense of agency. So if they don't want to, you know, be cuddled or picked up, that's okay. Um, but, you know, having some age-appropriate activities ready for them at the orientation would be fantastic as well. It just shows to the family that their child matters and that you have considered all of your options um, and you're very organised and you really want this enrolment to go ahead. Start of an important relationship. So I think we have established that, that, um, you know, obviously enrolment and orientation is the basis of where this relationship is going to go. Hopefully it will be long lasting, but as we all know, sometimes that doesn't always work out, but we want to make sure that we put everything into forming these relationships. The relationships with the children, and obviously the relationships with the family and also for the families to build a relationship with you and your family as well, because that's what the beauty of family daycare is all about. So it is the important step of a formative relationship. And do you remember your first teacher? Do you remember your first educator? How did they make you feel? What things do you remember about them? So think back to that first time and put yourself in the shoes of the families or even for the children. For a lot of us, that is a memory that remains in our minds for a lifetime, or it may be as you got a bit older, a really um, you know, important teacher that you had at school, somebody that made you feel special. This is what we want to create for the children within our service. Your relationship with them is going to be just as important to both the family and obviously the child and it needs to start off with that level of importance that it really deserves. So to grow and learn children must feel safe so we want to create a beautiful space where children come to our service every day and know that they're going to feel safe they're going to feel trusted they're going to feel loved they're going to feel like they can be themselves and they can feel like that the learning environment is meant for them. So we know that children cannot learn unless they feel safe and for them to learn from you, they have to feel safe. So you need to set up that safety from the very first minute that um, you meet them. And I would also um, add to this that this is where the handbooklet comes in very handy because you can put lots of things in there that you might not get the opportunity to say to families when they first come and meet with you. Um, sometimes an enrolment interview will go for a very long time. You might have a family that stays for one to two hours, but equally you might have a family that just pops in for about 10 or 15 minutes. The family may be nervous. The family may not know what questions to ask. So I think if you have, um, going back to um, the survey that we did at the beginning and having the enrolment checklist, because it's really easy to forget some of these things or it's easy to go off onto different tangents. But I think if we have something concrete that can remind us of the reasons why we want to be an educator and how we want to showcase our service, I think a handbooklet and having something to be able to hand to families would be a really good idea. Children pick up on cues. Absolutely. So as you know, as an educator, how much information children pick up or learn from you 
or learn from other children. They also pick up cues about how their parents greet you. So from how other children act around you, from what you have in your family daycare home for them to explore. Um, and they also pick up on cues from the very first moment um, with all of that information that we have just established that we're going to give to families. So it's really important that the children can actually see that they are valued, but also that their family is valued. And if it's a nice, calm, beautiful, organised environment from the very first moment, hopefully that will ensure that the child feels safe as well. Why is enrolment and orientation important for us as educators? And it is important to consider us in, in part of this process as well. So there is another person involved in the enrolment and orientation, and that's us as educators. And these processes are also important for us for many different reasons. And this is true that if this is the very first child that you've enrolled in your family daycare service, or if this child is the hundredth, every child is important. Every child should be valued. Every family should feel the same. And we really need to showcase how important our role is and let families know that we actually love what we do. That is really important to um, establish as well. Enrolment and orientation is also important because it allows us to showcase our family daycare service. And, you know, there are many different things that you may not get to capture in the very small time that you meet with a family. But I think, again, coming back to being organised, having things prepared, having paperwork, um, it might even have a logo on there. Um, you know, it just looks really professional because we do need to remember that in this ever-changing world of um, early childhood education and care, that Families have many choices and it's really important that we leave a lasting impression. So the family may be visiting three or four educators from your service. So it's really important that, um, you know, they have something concrete to look back on to be able to go, okay, I do remember what this educator offered. I remember how I felt when I went into um, his or her home and I do remember, um, you know, all of the things that I need to bring because I have a beautiful booklet here that tells me that. Okay, it also allows us to build our business and it's really important that we are a force to be reckoned with. We are competing with many other early childhood education and care services and we need to stand tall and be really proud of the business that we have built and showcase this to families. This is our opportunity. It's our first impression, but it's um, you know our opportunity to be able to show families why they should put their child into our service. It is the start of a process of a word of mouth. So hopefully over time, depending on how long you've been an educator, but if you do leave a lasting impression and you come across as a professional educator, then the families are going to tell lots of their friends and family. And you will find that you will establish a little bit of a waiting list for yourself over time and that you are representing the family daycare service as well when you step out into the community. So it's really important to ensure that this is front and centre of our minds as well. And just remember as well that people will recommend great educators to their friends. So that's why it's, um, you know, great to put your best foot forward and look really professional. Okay, enrolment and orientation eases the transition period for us, but it also ultimately helps the child. And that's why we're doing this. So it's really important for children to have 
um, you know, as many opportunities as possible prior to being left for long periods of time where they've had a couple of hours to actually explore your service, to get to know the other children, to have a look at what the environment environment smells like? What can they explore? Do you have a great outdoor environment? Um, you know, there are many different reasons that um, the transition period is really important, but mostly it's for the children so that they start to build that trusting relationship with you. Now we're going to jump into what the frameworks, regs and the national quality standards require. And it's important just to remind ourselves of this. So clearly the enrolment and orientation processes are important to everybody, but what do the regs and the national quality standards require of us in relation to enrolment and orientation? So yes, it's important to build trust and yes, it's important to build those beautiful relationships, but there's a reason um, that we have to do this. So it's really important for us as educators to just remind ourselves of our obligations as well. So we're going to have a look at the learning frameworks. So children learn about themselves and construct their own identity within the context of their families and communities. This includes their relationships with people, places and things, and the actions and responses of others. Identity is not fixed. It is shaped by experiences. So when children have positive experiences, they develop an understanding of themselves as significant and respected and feel a sense of belonging. And I'm sure many of you can agree that um, the, the being, belonging and becoming is something that family daycare educators pride themselves on. Children are stepping and families are stepping into our home. We would like everybody to feel that sense of belonging. Relationships are the foundations for the construction of identity. So who am I? How do I belong? And what is my influence? So really powerful as an early childhood educator that we can actually guide many of these foundations for relationships. And in early childhood settings, children develop a sense of belonging when they feel accepted, they develop attachments, and they trust those that care for them. So really powerful. So I'm just going to read that again so that we can really reflect on this as an educator. In early childhood settings, children develop a sense of belonging when they feel accepted, develop attachments, and trust those that care for them. So really powerful. The Early Years Learning Framework also tells us that when children feel safe, secure and supported, they grow in confidence and they can explore and learn. So again, I ask you to go back to a time when you've either put your own children into care or you remember a very special teacher or um, educator. How did that make you feel? Did you feel that sense of belonging? And what was it about that sense of belonging that was special to you? Because this will obviously be different to everybody. So whether it's a cultural experience, um, you know, and, and then we can talk about cultural safety as well. Um, when families step into your place, what does your space tell them about what they can expect from the care and education that you're going to provide to their children? So it's also that the Early Years Learning Framework is telling us about the importance of our relationship with the children and their relationships with others and each other. This is one of the reasons that those initial orientation visits or play visits are so important. And I would really encourage you to do that if you are able to. Now we're going to have a look at the national regulations and the national regulations require that family daycare service are registered with and us as educators to regulation 160, number two, 
you are required to keep an enrolment record with specific information on it. And we will break this down in the next couple of slides. And also, it's important to remember Regulation 1782, as a family daycare educator, you must take reasonable steps to ensure that the enrolment documents are accurate. So we will go through this in a little bit more depth in a minute, but I just want to remind you and make sure that you were aware that as an educator, you are responsible, not just the coordination unit or the service in general, but you must take reasonable steps as the educator to ensure that the enrolment documents are accurate and to ensure that you do have documents that are current and that you can locate them easily and that they are kept secure for confidentiality as well. And did you know that as a family daycare educator, you will receive an infringement notice and a fine of potentially up to $2,000 for breaching Regulation 178? So 178 said that as an educator, you do need to take reasonable steps to ensure that the enrolment documents are accurate. So it does say reasonable steps. So you have to be able to prove that you've done everything within your power and within, um, you know, the reality of what you do to ensure that the information that you have is current. And we'll break this down a little bit further, as I said. Okay, so this is just an example. Um, it doesn't have to be exactly like this, but this is some of the information that must be included on the enrolment form. So as a service, how the service chooses to um, gather this information will vary from service to service, but I think it's important, um, as we've just said, it's your responsibility to ensure that the information's current, but it's really important for you to actually go through this and know what information you actually have to obtain. So first of all, we need to have the full name, date of birth and address of the child. And we also need to have the address and contact details of each known parent or caregiver or guardian I think it's important to highlight that as well. Any emergency contacts, and generally most services will ask for about two um, emergency contacts, but I would really remind, um, you know, the service to ensure that the emergency contacts are people that are close that can actually come and collect the child if need be. If you live in Sydney, we don't want to have an emergency contact for somebody, um, you know, down in Kayama. We want to make sure that if the child needed to be collected quickly, that they are able to, um, to do so. Then um, we also need the authorised nominee. We also need the information of any person who is authorised to consent to medical treatment or administration, sorry, administration of medication and any person authorised to give permission to the educator to take the child off your premises if this is something that you do in your service. We need to have the details of any person authorised to give permission for the child to be taken outside the premises, so therefore on an excursion, or it could be a play session or something like that. And any person authorised to give permission for the child to be taken outside the premises on transport provided or arranged by the service. And it's really important to um, highlight this because this is something that is probably going to change fairly soon in terms of um, transport. And, um, you know, many of you have probably seen that some children have lost their life, um, you know, from 
different instances, um, you know, relating to transport. So very important for that last point. We also need to have the details of any court orders, parenting orders or any parenting plans in place. And as an educator, you need to be across this as well. Um, we need to have the information, the gender of the child. We need the language used within the child's home. And again, another really important conversation that you could have upon enrolment or orientation that actually respects the family's um, culture and also, um, you know, can help you with your programming and documenting as well to include this as part of um, your program. We need to know the cultural background of the child and their parents. And importantly, we need to have any special considerations for the child, such as cultural, dietary or religious requirements or any additional needs. And some of this information you may be aware of prior to the child coming to meet with you. And that would be great if this is on your waiting list application as well. We also need to have authorizations for the approved provider, the nominated supervisor, um, and or the educator to be able to seek any medical treatment and or ambulance transportation for the child as well. And also the service to take the child on regular outings. And as I said before, regular transportation of the child is actually going to be something that um, is probably going to um, require a lot more attention um, fairly soon. Okay, so let's have a look at the information continued that must be included. So we also require the name, address and telephone number of the child's registered medical practitioner or medical service. Um, really important and probably something that I find that many families tend to leave out. So it's really important when you're going through the enrolment form to ensure that we have th this information. We also need to obtain the Medicare number if available. The details of any specific healthcare needs of the child. So again, allergies, is, is there a diagnosis for anaphylaxis or something like that? Do they require an EpiPen um, and so on? Any medical management plan, anaphylaxis medical management plan or risk minimization plan, really important to ensure that this is done in consultation between the educator and the family. We also need to know as educators what the dietary restrictions are, especially because we are family daycare and we are within our home. So therefore our kitchens um, or, you know, other rooms of the house could potentially hold some dangers for children with um, any allergies or things like that. We also need to know the immunisation status of the child. And I think that would be something that you could share with families as well. And families may actually ask you about the COVID vaccination as well. So, um, you know, that might be a conversation that you might unpack through enrolment and orientation. If the approved provider or the staff member has cited a child health record, a notation to that effect, so we need to have that in place. And in New South Wales, it's important to point out that certificates for immunisation or exemption for the child as required under the Public Health Act 2010 for New South Wales. So we do need to have um, immunisation certificates for children. In Victoria, it's important to point out that certificates for immunisation as required under the Public Health and Wellbeing Act 2008, Victoria, which includes outside school hours care or school holiday care services as well. And also, if there is any regular transportation undertaken for the child, um, that the authorisation for this must be included with the enrolment forms and um, also part of their records. So lots of information. 
Okay, now we're going to just jump over and have a look at the national regulations and just remind ourselves again as educators what we need to do. So the regulations require family daycare service that we are registered with and us as educators to Regulation 169, ensure that policies and procedures are in place for managing enrolment and orientation. And this might be something that you can check as an educator when you're inducted into a, a new family daycare service. If you haven't seen any policies and procedures, then that is very much a concern. And that's um, a conversation that I would have fairly quickly. But as educators, you really need to have copies of these policies and procedures at your service so that you can show them to families as well. Or there may be another way that families are given access to the policies and procedures so that they're well aware, aware um, that these things are in place. Regulation 170, number two, we need to take reasonable steps to ensure that those policies and procedures are followed. And hopefully when you have a home visit support, your coordinator, ESO, um, whatever other names, um, child development officer, um, the person that comes to visit you would be able to actually go through these processes with you and ensure that you do understand um, that these policies and procedures are in place, but equally as important are followed. Regulation 178, number three, and section 175 of the law, make the enrolment documents available to the family or to the authorised officers of the of the regulatory body on request. So if you have a spot check and you do have an authorised officer ask to have a look at your enrolment forms for the children, it is okay to actually hand these over. Um, the personal information, I'm sure many of you are concerned that it may be a breach of confidentiality, but as an authorised officer, they do actually have permission to be able to access that. Not that they would probably sit there and, you know, recite all of the information, but they will have a look that the records that you keep for children are consistent and that every child in your service does have the required paperwork that they need. Now we're going to jump over to quality area six of the national quality standards. And this requires us to build collaborative relationships with families. And this is something that we said right at the beginning of the presentation, that this is going to be the foundation of a beautiful, long lasting, hopefully, relationship with families. So element 6.1.1, families are supported from enrolment to be involved in the service and contribute to service decisions. So we did also talk about the importance of a handbooklet, and this is where you can put some of this information for families, just so that if they aren't taking this information in um, at your orientation um, service or meeting, then this is something that they can look back on. And hopefully you can continue these beautiful conversations to actually invite the families to be part of their child's learning, and most importantly, to be part of the service decisions that are made about their child. Element 6.1.2, the expertise, culture, values and belief of families are respected and families share in decision making about their child's learning and well-being. This one is really important and again something that can't be undervalued and 
hopefully you're having many conversations with families about this or whether you're sharing information through an electronic platform, whether you document that way, um, but, you know, always tapping into the expertise, culture and values and beliefs of families and trying to respect those as much as possible. And I think a great way of doing that is through the enrolment process so that you actually set up what the expectations are and parents understand what they can expect from you but equally you can actually have that conversation with families and ask them what do they expect from you as an educator to be able to care for their child how will their families values and um, culture and beliefs be respected throughout your service Element 6.1.3, current information is available to families about the service and relevant community services and resources to support parenting and family wellbeing. So this might be something that the coordination unit or the service provider um, does on a regular basis. This might be in the form of a newsletter. Um, there are lots of ways that this inf information can be shared with families. It could actually be not just through newsletters, but if you have information sessions at your service, if parents are invited to come to play session, then, you know, they might be able to receive lots of this information. So lots of things that we need to give families. Okay, your turn. So what we would normally do here is ask for you to um, let us know of any um, questions that you might have, but I think with the volume of educators that we have on here tonight, it's not really feasible that we can do that. But what I would like you to do is, based on the information that I've shared with you so far, is to just take a few moments just to have a think about how you actually implement the things that we've talked about. So how do you ensure the national quality standards are followed? How do you ensure that families are aware of their role and obligation as well? Um, and also, as we said before, how do we make families feel when they come into your service for the very first time? So I think if you could do that, that would be fantastic. I will give you just a minute to, to have a think about that. Okay, we've got some questions coming through, so I will periodically check those. Hopefully, you've had a chance to just have a quick think about that. Um, we will be having some more reflection time as we go through um, the slides, so let's keep moving. Ways that we can do enrolments well. So firstly, we will talk about the enrolment process. How can we do the enrolments well? What we need to do is make sure that we get everything required at the one time. So as I said before about being organised, if you're racing around and trying to get things and you look busy and hectic, then families are probably going to think, well, maybe this isn't the service for me. But as much as you possibly can, we just want to have everything ready at the same time. So nothing can frustrate parents more than continually being told that they need um, more than one document to formalise an enrolment. So make sure that you give them a list clearly outlining everything that they need from the get-go so that they know what the expectations are. And this may be your responsibility or it may fall on the service. But again, follow your policies and procedures on this and um, just make sure that you look really super organised. Okay, we also want to be clear about our responsibilities within our service. So what is your role? What is the service's role? 
and what is the family's role? And it's okay to ask those reflective questions of families and say, could you please um, share with me, what do you expect from me? What do you expect from my service? How can I best support the needs of your family? Your services policies should make this very clear. Go back and read it and then reread it again. And if it's not... Um, if it's not to have a discussion with your coordinator, if you're unsure about this and work out who should be doing what. And I would probably also add here that it's really important when you're talking about responsibilities that you also talk about the beautiful fluffy things as well, like your philosophy and the service philosophy, because these um, important documents actually underpin everything that we do moving forward within our service. And I think it's important to sort of um, unpack this with families and make sure that they understand what the expectations are and ask them what is their philosophy about how their child should be um, learning and, and be supported within your service. And then that way, I think it actually gives you a really clear understanding as if this sorry, if this family is actually going to be suitable um, to what you can offer them. Okay, so we want to follow the services policy. Again, we said this is really important. And um, this is where we would describe the process. So obviously, all policies and procedures for each service are going to be different. And you don't need to go through every single policy. But what you do need to do your responsibility as an educator is just to ensure that families understand that there are many policies that need to be followed. And from time to time, a family may ask for a specific policy, depending on what the issue may be. Okay, so we're going to move away from enrolment and we're going to have a look at ways that we can do orientation well. So I'm just going to give you a little moment while I just jump in and have a look at some of the questions and see if we can answer them as we go along. Okay. Okay, so one of the questions that has come up is, do educators need to keep hard copies of enrolment forms or can they have the saved enrolment document in their computer? Um, a really good question and thank you for sending that one in. The answer to that is no, you don't need to have a hard copy, but as long as you can access the information when needed. So if you keep it on your computer and you are unable to access your computer because there is a blackout or something like that, how do you actually store the important information on the enrolment? form that you do need to be able to access. Um, recently, we had a spot check and this question was actually asked and some educators were able to just show them on a laptop and some educators chose to have both. You can have them stored on a laptop or computer or you can have a hard copy as well. So hopefully that answers that. Um, the next question is my service um, provides digital access to policies and procedures through the service website. Is this okay or should I request a hard copy from my service? Again, as long as you are able to access it and, um, you know, refer to it when you need to, then that's okay. Again, you know, it just depends on technology and, um, you know, how it's going to work for you. Um, but, you know, each service will do something different. Again, go back to what your service philosophy is. Some services are very sustainable and choose not to print them out, and that's okay. But we do need to be able to access these documents, um, particularly if there was a spot check or through assessment and rating as well. So hopefully that answers those questions for you. Um, but please keep them coming.
Okay, so ways that we can do orientation well. We really want to focus on the child initially. There would be nothing worse than ignoring the child and focusing just on the family. This is your opportunity to showcase to the family what your interaction is going to be like with their child and how special are you going to make the child feel. The parent will be looking for what kind of bond, um, how safe you make them feel, um, are you engaging with them? And I think this picture really resonates with this particular educator has dropped down to the child's level and really engaging with eye contact. And that's really important for families to see. So we do need to focus on the child. And yes, there is times that um, obviously we need to provide that information to families. So the parents and family are important, but the parent just wants to know that their child will always come first. So I think we would all agree with this. We need to remember that it's the child's and family's first orientation. So not only important for the child to feel safe and secure, but making sure that you provide lots of information for the families. They might have many questions. They may have no questions, but really try and engage with them and, um, you know, gauge what sort of information they're looking for. So let's have a look at this picture. If I asked anyone what you could see and what you would probably say, it would probably be the obvious. So children's bags, a security gate, educator certificates and a birthday chart. Standard stuff, I'm pretty sure that you would agree. Standard to you, but as an adult or a family member coming to your home for the very first time, they may not have ever seen anything like this before. So I think that even though you may have done hundreds of enrolment interviews, or orientations, sometimes we can become a bit complacent in the process. But I think it's important that we treat every family as individuals, as we do with children, and really take the time and invest the time to be able to go through all of this information and say to them, this is where I keep my certificates. These are some of the professional development um, opportunities that I've engaged in. Um, it might be as simple as your child protection um, certificate and just ensuring that parents understand what the requirements are of you and where they can locate this. We all know that the child will settle after all, but the family doesn't. So we need to bring all of the energy that you brought to the first orientation that you ever did um, or your meet and greet to everybody that steps inside your education and care service. Okay. This slide actually says make as much fuss over the second child. So um, what we need to remember is that we want to make a fuss or maybe not even use that terminology, but maybe just have a, a think about how we're making the child feel. So whether it's the first child, the second child, third or fourth child of that family, we want to treat everybody as equal and make sure that every family member feels the same. So even to a family, even to a family that we know very well, we don't want to assume that we understand the needs of every child that's in their family. So we want to make sure that everybody feels like they are an individual. Extend your hospitality. So even though there is a picture of a beautiful fruit basket, we're not saying that that's what you need to do. But um, what we do need to do is just make sure that you're hospitable. You are welcoming people to your home. So introduce them to your children, to your partner, um, to any other family members that you have living there, if they are part of your service as well. 
You may want to offer them a drink as a minimum, and you also want to make sure that the families have somewhere to sit, somewhere comfortable, somewhere where it's quiet, where they can take a moment to reflect on all of the information that you've just given them and make sure that your family daycare environment is as clean and tidy as it can be. But we also want to make sure as well that families get a really good view of what your service is like. So if it's too clean, um, there have been families in the past that have said, I actually don't know that my child would be allowed to play there and therefore this space may not be suitable. So there really has to be a happy medium. And I would really recommend that you extend your hospitality for the family to come into the playroom, to have a look at where their children will be sleeping and resting, where they will be playing outdoors, really showcase all of the parts of your home and um, education and care service. Then we want to have a think about what you would like if you were the family. So again, this is, um, you know, going back to the conversation that we just had about putting yourself in the family's shoes. If you were coming, what things would you expect? What would you like to see displayed? How would you feel? And how can you encapsulate this into the orientation process? And again, you know, respecting the needs of every family and the makeup of every family is different. So again, this is where your booklet would come in really handy. Okay, your ideas. So we would normally go to the chat box here, um, but we're not going to with um, so many people on this session tonight. But again, this is just a moment to stop and reflect. So looking at the environment and, um, you know, taking a moment to think about if you were the family, what would you like to see if you were taking your child to an enrolment um, or orientation um, meeting? What sorts of things? You might want to jot some things down as we go along. Um, and hopefully at the end, if we get time to go through more questions, you might be able to take some ideas there. I'm just going to grab a drink. Okay. Evaluating our processes. So as we do really well as early childhood educators, we think about critical reflection and we want to really evaluate our processes and hopefully tonight will be another way for you to really think about your environments or as we said, even if you've done 100 enrolment interviews or orientation, hopefully you are making the family feel like it is your first and that everybody is feeling important. So tonight's session really is about just critically reflecting, what do I need to focus on? Do I rush families? Do I take a moment to actually showcase all of the fantastic spaces and learning environments that I have here for the families? Do I have a booklet? What information do I give to families? And maybe even survey some of your existing families and say, what did you like when I first, um, you know, met you and we went through the enrolment and orientation process? I think really drawing on the experiences of your current families is a really good way of critical reflection as well. Okay, ask your focus group. So, um, you know about focus groups, those groups that are assembled to participate in a discussion about a product before it's launched or to provide feedback on, say, a political campaign or television series, etc. As I just said, then I would really tap into the expertise of the families that you have currently in your service because they know what's working. They obviously are staying with you for a reason. So I think having those regular conversations, maybe it's a survey monkey, maybe it's in a newsletter, um, giving families lots of opportunity to be able to reflect on what they love about your service or asking them to be brutally honest and ask where you could improve. 
and also, as I said, um, existing families and also children. Um, it's really important that we involve the voice of the child as well. So if they're able to um, participate in this, what did you like when you first came to my house? If, if they can remember that or giving them some visuals or asking them to draw a picture, it's really important to include the whole family as part of this process. Okay, so now we're actually going to watch a video. This video is going for approximately 30 minutes. We only have one video for tonight's session. And the video in this session for PD in your pocket um, is between Lisa Bryant and Kim Hartman, who is the service manager of Lake Macquarie Family Daycare. So I hope you enjoy this video. So I'm very pleased to have with us tonight Kim Hartman. Kim's the managing manager of service Lake manager of Lake Macquarie Family Daycare. Lake Macquarie Family Daycare. So tell us a bit about your background in um, family daycare, Kim. How long have you been involved? I became involved in family daycare in 2004. Um, I had had a, a background in long daycare as an early childhood teacher, which kind of morphed into directing. And then I went into inclusion support for some time. It was when I relocated from Sydney out to Dubbo that, um, yeah, I was fortunate enough to secure a position with with Dubbo, what was then Dubbo City, uh, Dubbo Family Daycare. Um, and I had a really supportive team who inducted me to the world of family daycare. Um, and yeah, I've been in family daycare ever since, um, always in local government based services, but still with that, yeah, community kind of um, based focus around. And how long have you been with Lake Macquarie? I started with Lake Macquarie in early 2019, so, yeah, coming up to four years. So a newbie. <laughs> yeah, well, I am actually, especially when I have staff who have been around for about 30 years. So. <laughs> How many educators do you have at the moment? Uh, currently we, we have about 50. Right. Good small size, not too big, not too small. Yeah. Okay, so can you give me a bit of a rundown on your enrolment process? Like from the very first time when a, a family rings your service and says, I'm interested in family daycare for my child, what do you do then? Um, if, if they're a family who have not had experience with family daycare before, usually they'll obviously have, you know, questions about um, the requirements of educators. Um, so we're able to, to run them through and reassure them around, you know, the qualifications that are required, the insurance coverages, you know, our support role that we, we have um, and, and our involvement in, in children's placement and things. Um, we've designed our, our, our web page for our service that um, has... Yeah, basically addresses a lot of those frequently asked questions. So it directs families to information about what family daycare is, as well as our service, um, provides them with links to be able to um, find out more about, you know, registering for childcare subsidy and those types of things. Um, but on our webpage, there's also information about all of our, you know, procedures, service policies effectively, um, and items like that as well that, you know, they can go in and have a look at. So, yeah, so that initial... Um, conversation obviously is about responding to any inquiries or queries that they have about the service and about how family daycare operates and putting them in touch with resources and information that's going to support their um, you know use of care as well um, then I suppose yeah what basically happens is if we're 
fortunately in a position where we're able to link them up with a vacancy that an educator may have, we um, provide them with the educator's contact details so that they can make that contact themselves to arrange for an initial meeting with the educator at a time and in a way that's convenient for them. Mostly that tends to sort of happen initially outside of operating hours because obviously the educators are sole operators and so it's really difficult for them to attend to you know you know a family's questions and you know and supporting a new child's time in a service while they're also attending to the other children so um but yeah so we put them in touch with the family a lot of educators obviously do their own advertising and things and um and so they're able to attract families And, and a lot of our educators actually have established a very strong reputation within the community and so they do have their own wait lists as well so they're also able to reach out and connect with families when they do have a vacancy arise and when they do, do they then refer them on to you to go through the formal enrolment process? Or? Yeah, once the educator and the family uh, do agree on a placement offer, um, what happens then is that, yeah, the, either the educator or the family get in touch with our office and we have an online enrolment process. So essentially they let us know that they've agreed upon a, upon a placement and uh, request that we send them out a link so that they can complete that online enrolment Um, Again, there's um, information, there's a a template email that goes out with that enrolment link that, again, sort of informs and and, um, preempts with the family the type of information that is required for for them to be able to complete their enrolment, such as the mandatory, you know, immunisation schedule, um, you know, things like that, if there's any um, parenting orders or plans in place, any other sort of supporting documentation, medical um, healthcare plans and needs as well. So, um, yeah, so we try and arm the families with knowledge about what is going to be required to complete. Yeah, given that so much is required to enrol these days, the and more particularly, you can tell yeah, and particularly better. if they if it's their first um, venture into into you know early education and care as well, which for family daycare it often is because you know it being such a small, intimate, family oriented environment, it, it quite often is a preference for for families with very young children. So it may be their first experience of early education and care. So. And but explaining childcare subsidy to anyone is very challenging. <laughs> it is, but again, that's where, yeah, the, um, yeah, we have wonderful admin staff who are able to, yeah, really put it into lay terms for the parents, and and um, they find that really supportive as well. You know, just knowing what questions to ask if they no, do need to to contact Centrelink. You know, knowing the term, yeah, knowing the terminology and and what phrases to use, what questions to ask, sort of just helps them navigate that process as well. So sure, yeah. and I. I understand that you're drawing up a checklist for educators of topics they have to go through. What, what, you know, precipitated that? Why are you doing that? Um, I think there's a lot of information, as you said, for, for families to be able to get their heads around and take in when they're, when they're um, using care, particularly for the first time. Um, and I guess what we wanted to do was try and make sure that it gets broken down in a way that is logical according to the the part of the process that they're involved with at, at the given time, but also um, as a bit of a prompt also to support educators, you know, knowing for them to have a bit of a map, I suppose, and a plan about knowing what things they want to ensure that they do discuss with families, you know, what information they want to collect and learn about the child, what what aspects of their service they want to be able to showcase and promote with the family as well. And just, um, yeah, just, I guess, it helps establish those 
clear understandings and expectations about the service provision and, you know, and, and orienting both the family and the educator to and, and establishing that relationship, really, um, that's sure. going to be ongoing for, for the, the term of the child's placement with them. So, yeah, so. And what do families tell you about, you know, like about that process that they've been through, through a meet and greet or a series of orientation visits with an educator? What kind of feedback do you get back from families about that? It's interesting. When we ask families what they value, um, well, what has um, supported their decision about their placement and beyond the obvious of being, you know, the days and the times and the location being convenient and, and suiting their needs, what they overwhelmingly tell us is that, that it's that first initial connection that they establish, you know, when their child enters the environment and, and the, you know, the educator interacts and engages with their child and also the way the educator engages and, and communicates with the family about the child and, you know, and their intentions and desires and wishes for care, that is the most valuable and important factor in them making the decision about their placement. So it's, it's, I don't think it can be underestimated the power and the importance of, of establishing that interaction and that connection from the outset um, because it really sets the tone for that ongoing relationship. And we, and we always sort of say it's all about relationships. You know, if you, if you have that connection and that, and that, I don't know what to say. Yeah, <laughs> if you have that connection from the outset, it sets the tone for, for how you're going to engage yeah, for change sure. and share information ongoing. I know that um, I have an adult daughter with a disability and I have to engage support workers for her and some of them come in for their meet and greets and they're very good at communicating with me, but they've forgotten to communicate with her at all. And it's like that always sends off warning symbols to me. You know, it's like, no, she's the one that you're going to be focused on. Yeah, and when the families, they do, they, they will say things like, you know, my child just, yeah, walked in the door and went and sat down and immediately started playing and it was like they were at home you know, type of yeah. thing. And so I think, yes, the environment is important, but it's not it's not the physicality of the environment necessarily or, you know, what, what bells and whistles might be there. It's about it's about the sense and that feeling of environment, you yeah. know, and that, that's... And um, that's kind of intangible and hard to, to do, but it's really important. Well, it's about, um, it's about the, the genuine intention, I suppose, and, and regard of, of the educator. Yeah. Yeah. Your service, I understand, uses Harmony software as part of the enrolment process. How does, um, like, Harmony alert the educator to what is needed to finish the process or what information is missing or what they can find out about the family? Uh, well, again, hopefully through that uh, a meeting process and things, you know, the, the educator and the family have had a lot of those conversations already. Um, but once the family have submitted their enrolment to our office, it, we get an alert and um, obviously we review that information to ensure that everything has been completed. Um, the enrolment form is, again, obviously designed to collect all the information that's required by regulation. Um, and so once that comes back, it, it populates and gets mapped out in harmony to the child's individual record and there's there's and in this particular program there's tabs you know across the top of the page where where it alerts the educator to various aspects of the child information whether it be general contact whether it be um, you know medical needs 
But there's also the capacity within this program to upload the actual documents, PDF documents of the enrolment form, plus any supporting documentation like I talked about with, you know, um, you know, medical condition or healthcare need plans, um, yeah, any parenting plans or orders, that type of information. But um, this program also on the educators dashboard links. And if the family does indicate that, the, that there's any particular items of care to note about the child, it, it does actually flag and, and, and give alerts. Oh, that's good. Which that's is, yeah, a nice little visual as well. So straight away the, the educator can see whether there's any, you know, restrictions around media consent or, yeah, if there is a particular health need for them to know. Sure. Health needs yep. are treated a little bit differently, obviously, because we communicate with the educator prior to make sure that they have all the necessary information and and or training or you know and and supporting documentation to support yes. that placement as well and for okay. them to feel comfortable but um yeah but basically the educator is able to access um through their dashboard all the information that we hold about the child and the family um and and supporting hard copy documentation really that sounds great hmm. As you know, with you know I'm sure you experience sometimes there isn't a huge lead-in process with an enrolment, someone will need care immediately and start more or less the next day. What do you kind of, how do you manage all of that? <laughs> Quickly. Hasty enrolment. <laughs> Quickly. The process, I suppose, still um, occurs in the same way, uh, but I guess, yeah, it, it, do, it is fast-tracked in it that I suppose there's not as much time for the child and the family perhaps to spend orienting or doing a transition into the service quite you know quite often families and educators will like to try and have the parent perhaps come at least for one play date visit type of thing with the parent present prior to the child actually starting so they do get to um, you know interact with the other children who might be attending on that day or you know become a part of the routine and the rituals that type of thing um, obviously if it if it's a fast-tracked type in enrollment there's off yeah often that that opportunity is restricted um, but basically the process happens in the same way you know we at least the, the family and the educated need to have a conversation it's rare that a family won't visit an actual educator's premises prior to starting um, but yeah but that's the beauty of operating in, an, in that digital online world is that we're able to email out a link to the family they can complete the components of you know what's required online they hit a submit button it alerts directly back to us we can um, look at the information again give a phone call or an email to confirm that we have everything that's required and then the, the educator is cc'd into into that sort of process so they in real time can can get a sense about where it's up to and and um, when the family's ready to commence and generally with enrolments do you get all the information the first time or do you have to go back a few times to <laughs> They're no, still waiting no. on that transport authorization. Or still, they're the types of things the enrolment online enrolment um, obtains all the essential regulatory um, required information. Um, the form again is designed so that there's mandatory fields, so it doesn't allow the family to submit the enrolment un until, until at done least it. that absolutely That's good. <laughs> essential information has been supplied. Um, it's not often that we do need to follow up, but you know, again, a common a common occurrence is um, when families may duplicate their CRN, for example, and as the child's CRN, 
and right. you know, it's just a little yeah. thing. So it'll allow them to submit the form, but then we just need to sort of say, oh, look, your child will have their own customer reference number with Centrelink. Yep. But it gives us the opportunity then to connect with the family and establish our relationship with them as well because, uh, yeah, so much of it occurs between the educator and the parent. Um, so, no, it's not often that we don't have all the information we need, but all of those authorizations and um, consents and, and um, that type of documentation is something that is discussed and and obtained between the educator and the parent. Um, because, again, the educator needs to have those conversations to describe their practices around how those things are implemented, you know, water activities consent, interaction between, you know, pets and animals and the children, um, how they undertake excursions, you know, if there's any transport involved in the care, you know, those types of things, yeah, that's important for the educator and the family to discuss directly because it, it happens differently for everyone. Yeah, so. <laughs> exactly. I was going to say you could have a, as million different processes for those things as you do educators. Yeah. So, yeah, so as I said before, our web page makes all of our forms available online so the families and all the educators can access and download those at any given time and we know that they're accessing the most current form then as well so yeah so that part of it occurs between the educator and and the um, family directly yeah I understand that your educators at Lake Macquarie manage their own orientation process that, um, you know, that once you've referred a family over to an educator, they meet with the educator and, you know, then organise those play sessions or play dates or orientation sessions. What would you imagine, you know, what would you like to see your educators doing? in those sessions? What would you imagine would work well for families and children? I think that's all the the elements of what we're trying to capture in that mapped out sort of, I don't like the word checklist because, you know, you've got to sit there. We've got enough of those. (laughs) We have enough of those. As I said, it's designed as a support tool, but, um, yeah, I, I suppose it's a, yeah, what we'd like to see happen is that the educator and the family work together to determine what they both need from that process and that it you know as I said th- there are some families who who come to the service having used you know multiple types of, of education and care in the past or multiple services as well so you know they feel really confident and comfortable with the process and know what to look for and and what questions to ask if they do have any queries that type of thing whereas and then on the flip side, you, you get those families who, you know, are really apprehensive and anxious and it's their first experience of, you know, entrusting the care of their child to somebody else. And so so what the orientation and transition process is going to look like, you know, will be different for, for each individual family. Um, and depending on the needs and, and support and care needs of the child too, it may be that there's more orientation and, and pre placement visits are are necessary to establish that understanding and knowledge about the child. It may be that there's other agencies involved in the care of the child as well, and it's really important perhaps for an educator to have opportunity to have conversations with them about their involvement and and things. So, So I guess, yeah, ideal orientation is one that is determined between the educator and the family and that is and that is is determined that it's what they want it to look like, I suppose, um, and that, um, yeah, that at 
the end of the day, everybody feels supported and prepared and ready for the place yeah. to occur. And have started okay. that that building of a really strong relationship. Yeah, yeah. But sure. also, I guess ideally too, we want to make sure that um, both the educator and the family have had had opportunity to to I guess cover all that necessary stuff. Yeah. You know? yeah. Talk about some of the policy expectations and requirements, particularly around items that unfortunately may tend to become problematic at times, things sick around days. sick days, exclusion, public holidays, what to pack in lunch boxes, you know, expectations yeah. around what are appropriate foods to share. It's a, it's again, it's it's amazing sometimes how yeah how they can they have the capacity to to cause that that contention um, and just I suppose yeah just discomfort almost you know in interaction between educators and families and things so it's really nice to get that stuff out in the open yeah put your cards on the table straight away yeah establish those understandings and it um yeah can help alleviate some of those i I always remember a line that says that anger is caused by unmet expectations and if someone doesn't have an expectation that they'll be able to bring their child no matter how sick they are, then they're less likely to get angry when the educator says, no, I think you need to come and pick up your child because they're too sick to be here. Yeah, or if they know that in in the event that XYZ does occur, this is going to be the response or this response. is the way that we yeah. that we manage yeah. it or, you know, yeah. Or, yeah, this is what happens type of thing. Um, can I just read you a bit of the guide to the NQF and I just want you to think and tell us about whether you think this is true. It says, when families are given the opportunity to provide information about their children, they feel that they are regarded as partners in their child's experience at the service. Do you think that's a true statement? It's interesting to sit down and really think about that and break it down, but, I mean, my initial response is absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. if... If, yeah, if an educator is wanting to know about a child, then who better to seek that knowledge from than the parent, you know? And so yeah. it, it, it gives that sense that, um, it, yeah, it sets up that recognition from the outset that, yeah, the family is knows their child best, yeah. you know? And, and I suppose it, it sets up that understanding as well that... Um, Sorry, I'm not articulating myself very well here, but... Um, You're doing but, fine. But... One of the things that I always think is that for some families, those that haven't been in multiple sorts of care before, this is the first time they're putting their fam- parenting on show. And so if the educator is receptive to their parenting and treats them as the expert of on their child, then that makes the family feel... I know, safer, you know, as if they've passed the test of, yes, they are a good parent. And I think that's something that's really important to think about how families might be nervous about meeting an educator. After all, that person's called an educator, you know. They're no longer called, you know, a child carer or anything like that. A daycare mum. Yeah, there's something, you know, they're a professional and they want to you know, appear like they've done a good job in front of that professional. Yeah, I think now, yeah, sort of talk through that a bit, Lisa. I think what comes to mind for me, I came across a phrase and it wasn't all that long ago or whatever else, but I guess um, 
as you said, when families are given that opportunity to share and exchange information, as I said, yeah, it, it does set up that team between the two. And I, I, the phrase that I'm referring to that I came across that I just absolutely adore, and it's um, basically what we're doing is we're teaming around the child. Oh, isn't that beautiful? Yeah. That's a great concept. Yeah, and, I've, and I have stolen that from somebody who I get. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry that I'm not acknowledging it. Yeah. <laughs> I can't recall exactly where I found it, but I did. I just I just love that phrase, team around the child. The and child. I think that's what sort of the intention of, of that that um, that phrase. Process. Is. Okay, and I think that's a wonderful place to finish because I think everyone should be able to think about teaming around the child. Thank you very much for joining us tonight. You're welcome, Lisa. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So let's have a look at some of those things. So I've put up here questions, but what I would actually like to do would be to unpack and just reiterate some of um, the fantastic things that Kim Hartman from Lake Macquarie Family Daycare said. And I think probably the, the lasting impression that I think everybody will take away from that is teaming around the child. I've got it in capital letters here on my notes, um, but I think it's a really good way of framing what we've talked about tonight. And you know, really packaging up how this looks for families and for children. So we are part of a team. We have us as educators, we have the family, we have the child, we have the service. We really are teaming around the child. So I want you to just have a moment to have a think about what that looks like for you as an educator and what does that look like for you as part of your family daycare service that you're registered with? How does your service encourage you to team around the child? So that's a reflective question that I'd like you to take away from tonight. Um, I was very fortunate to have met Kim and her fantastic team at Lake Macquarie. And I would just like to pay our respects to the Awabakal country that they were meeting on and, um, you know, thank them for having us be part of um, that conversation. So what I took um, was that we play a role in supporting the families and we also need to provide that reassurance to families um, you know, when we first meet with them, because as Kim said, we are setting the tone for what it's going to be like for their child to come into your care. I also found it interesting as well that we didn't really touch on was um, how do we showcase to families that we are available? So do you have a web page? How can families find out more about your service? Where is the information about your policies and procedures stored? And how can families access this information? And equally as important, as I said before, about the service philosophy and also, um, you know, profiles of the educators. Is that something that families... Um, are given that information prior to meeting with you so that they can make these educated decisions about who will care for their child. Um, interestingly enough as well, Kim touched on fees and charges, and this probably is something that many families will um, sort of come to you with questions about. And again, if you have all of this information very detailed in your booklet, and there may even be a service booklet as well, um, that's really important for families to have all of that information documented so that they can visit that at a later time. The other thing that I had there as well is um, explaining the terminology to families and trying to sort of limit the jargon that, um, 
you know, families may not understand what we're talking about. So when we talk about the NQF, what does the NQF stand for? So really unpack it for families and give them that information. And again, you know, Kim was saying that they don't sort of look at it as a checklist for educators, but rather a map for educators. So again, whether you use a checklist, whether it's a roadmap, whether it's an information or service handbooklet, I think having all of that information at hand for families so that they can then, um, you know, unpack that a little bit later. And if they're meeting multiple services or multiple educators, they might get a bit confused about what the expectations are, because ultimately, as Kim was saying, when the family first meets you for the very first time, they're really looking at your interactions. They're looking at how you make them feel. They're looking at how you make their child feel. So all of this other information that we're talking about, which is very necessary um, and, you know, we must have, um, families may forget this information and forget the expectations. So I think it's really important to, um, you know, allow families the time that they need to be able to explore your service. Some of the other things that I took away from that is also encouraging families um, to navigate the process with you. So is it the fees and charges that they're not sure about? Is it the policies and procedures? Do they understand the concept of the early years learning framework, national quality standards, national quality framework, regs, the law? How, how are you going to package this information and not overwhelm a family when they first come into care? Secondly, um, I thought it was interesting as well that um, conversations are taking place with families at the orientation or enrolment stages around authorizations and consents. I think this is really important as well because this is where Kim was saying many of her educators are able to describe their routine. So what sorts of experiences can the parents expect their child to be engaging in? Is it water play? Is it uh, referring to transport? Are there going to be excursions? I think, you know, from a service perspective, we would have many calls daily where parents are saying, does the educator have pets? Do they have a swimming pool? Do they go out of the house? Um, it's really important to make sure that you can answer all of these questions for families. And I think if, you know, you had a folder, um, whether it's a compliance folder or a welcome folder, um, or as Kim described it as a map for educators to showcase their service. I think it's important to have copies of these um, forms and consents and authorizations handy so that parents know exactly what they're signing off on. And some families may want to go home and chat to another family member about that or chat to their partner or chat to grandparents or, you know, other family members living in the home as well. So I think while, yes, we need to give families, lots of this information at enrolment and orientation, what we don't want to do is overwhelm them. So I think it's a great idea, as Kim was saying, that, you know, many of their educators will have several meetings with the families. And, you know, there's also some families where it's going to be a very quick enrolment process. So it might be just touching base um, as a service or, you know, as an educator, do you follow up with a courtesy call to your families following the enrolment process? Um, how are families feeling you know, maybe four to six weeks after their child starts in care? Was it what they expected? Um, you know, how much information do they still require? Have they had a chance to read through the information? Um, you know, really important to sort of have a look at that aspect as well. Then some of the other information um, that I took down as well, I was madly writing, is that 
um, yes, we do want to provide that reassurance to families and, um, you know, just making sure that they have ample time to be able to make these informed decisions about what is right for their child. And as we said at the beginning of this presentation, we really need to showcase and truly value that the family is the first educator of the child and how are we actually going to provide that information and resources for the families to be able to feel like that they can contribute to their child's learning. That's really important. Um, what else did I have? I think that's about it um, from what Kim said and we would like, like to thank Kim and Lisa for their contribution. Um, it was really informative from a service perspective um, about how they sort of induct families into their service. And I'm sure many of you, um, yeah, probably have very similar processes. But I guess from tonight's session, um, as I said, I promised you a lot of reflective questions. And so during that session, I've actually written down some of my own reflective questions. When I present a session, I, I actually like the educator to come away feeling that the session was meaningful. Yes, we can all attend many webinars and training sessions, but to make it meaningful and take it to the next level, how are we actually going to um, put this into practice and how from tonight's session is it going to inform your practice moving forward? So as I said, are you going to write tonight's session up as a critical reflection? Has it confirmed some of the processes that Kim spoke about and that I've spoken about and Lisa's spoken about? Has it confirmed that you are already putting many of these practices um, in place? Um, or if not, what were the practices that you feel that you probably could be a little bit better at or or areas that you could actually improve on. So some of the reflective questions that I would like you to take away from tonight's session are, how does the environment support children's learning and development? So when a family steps into your service for the very first time, how do they know what support their child's going to get in terms of learning and development? So that's one question. The second question is, how do we ensure as educators that the environment is organised to meet supervision requirements and also provide spaces for autonomy, privacy and a child's agency? And I think that's really important to really consider some of those factors as well. So that question again was, how do we ensure that the environment is organised to meet supervision requirements and also provide spaces for autonomy, privacy and a child's agency? And it would be really important to have these conversations with the families as well. Um, many families will come into your family daycare service and say, okay, that's great that you want to take four children out of your home. I struggle to take one child out. So how are you going to keep my child safe when you go on an excursion? How are you going to, if your philosophy is to explore risky or adventurous play, um, how are you going to showcase and reassure to families that their child is going to be safe? So it really is something um, to consider. And some of these concepts here are probably going a little bit deeper than what we've spoken about tonight. But I think it's really important that if we're going to make tonight's session meaningful moving forward and inform our practice, that we really stop and reflect. So you may send some of these questions out to your families. You may decide to do a survey following this session about what did families um, like and value when they first 
enrolled at your service? What was it that attracted them to your service? And how did they know that their child was going to be cared for in a way that was respectful, safe, accommodating, and valued the voice of the family as well? And one final reflective question is how do parents know and contribute their ideas to your program and practice? So how do families know that what they have to say about their child is actually valued? How do you capture that information and how do you document that as an educator um, and I guess, obtain that evidence that there is consultation with families and that you are building a strong um, trusting relationship with families. So really have a think about how do parents know what their role is as part of their own child's learning. Um, so that's it in terms of the reflective um, questions that I have. I'm just going to refer back to the main questions and just see, I'm just going to ask Ethan if there are any further questions on this session that need to be answered. I think we've covered most of them. Um, most of the questions are just about around the digital access to policies and procedures. Do you have to have a printed copy? I think we've established um, no, you don't, but we really need to be very clear about where families can obtain this information. So it might be, um, you know, shared in a newsletter, hey, did you know that you can actually access our policies and procedures, blah, 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 or um, reminding parents about how they can contribute to their child's learning and just reminding them because um, over time you would probably enrol many families and I think it's important that we just, you know, show that it is a regular and embedded part of the process. So I believe that that is all the questions for tonight. So um, I think I got away fairly easy <laughs> with these questions, um, but generally around printing out the information. Um, so no, I don't think there are any other further questions for tonight. So again, I'm just going to remind you of the reflective questions and then we will finalise this session. So making tonight's session meaningful, how does the environment support children's learning and development and sense of agency? How do we ensure that the environment is organised to meet supervision requirements and also provide a sense of autonomy and privacy and agency for children? And thirdly, how do parents know and contribute their ideas to their child's learning? So hopefully those reflective questions give you something to think about and implement moving forward. I normally like to finish with a quote, but I'm actually going to go back to one of the quotes about belonging that I um, repeated twice um, because I think it's really important to finish the session on this note. In early childhood settings, children develop a sense of belonging when they feel accepted develop attachments and trust those that care for them. So I really want you to, on that parting thought, just have a think about how in your service do we ensure that children develop a sense of belonging? How do they feel accepted? And how do the families feel accepted? And how are they going to develop um, strong attachments and trust yourself as the educator to be able to care for them? And what information do we share with families about um, you know, their time within your service. 
So I would like to personally thank everybody for joining this session tonight. I hope you've taken something away from it. I hope I've given you some critical reflective concepts to think about. And um, hopefully on the PD in your pocket page, you could share some of your ideas moving forward. Was it a survey to families? Was it photos of, um, you know, how the children have engaged in, um, you know, the orientation and enrolment process? And yeah, please feel free to share any questions on there as well. So thank you for joining tonight's session and I hope you have a great night. Thank you. Thanks for listening into this episode of PD in Your Pocket. If you'd like to listen to other podcasts in this series or find out more information about this program, you can go to the New South Wales Family Day Care Association website, nswfdc.org.au. This podcast was produced on the land of the Wongal people, 